It's good to be here this morning. Uh, if you don't know who I am, uh, I'm, my name is Josh Fay, and I usually speak on Sunday nights. I lead the Sunday night service we have here called Sanctuary. So if you don't know who I am, you're welcome to come visit us on Sunday nights. We love to have that. We love to have you come back. Uh, and come see what's going on there. It, it, it often is kind of targeted to young adults, but anybody can come. Uh, but I did want to mention a couple things. One is I normally speak at night, so I guarantee you that some point during the sermon, I will say tonight when I mean this morning. It's become a habit. I just I can't stop it. So when I do that, you, you can yell it out if you want, or you can just, just ignore me uh, as well. The other thing is, on Sunday nights, we don't have three services right in a row. So Caleb said I could talk for like 45, 50 minutes this morning. I figured that would be, that'd be all right, not a big deal. Uh, but uh, if that's not okay, I guess we better get going. So, all right, uh, Caleb's giving me the wrap it up signal. Um, so uh, what I want to do this morning, I was reading the Bible a few, I really, I guess, a few months ago, and I was reading this passage, and there was this phrase that really kind of jumped out at me. And I hope that happens sometimes for you. There's, you, you kind of reading, and there's this phrase that you're like, man, that's really... That's really interesting. Like, what would that actually look like? And even more important, even than, than sort of what would it mean is what would it, what would happen if I actually lived this verse out in my life? And so this morning, I want to actually look at one of those verses and I want us collectively as a group to, to ask ourselves, what would it actually look like to live this out? So we're going to look at 1 Timothy chapter 4. We're going to start off there in 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 7. You can look at it, uh, you can look it up in your Bible, it's on the screen as well. Uh, just before I read this, why don't I go ahead and pray. God, this is truly your word. These words that we're about to read are more than just words on a page. They are the living and active word of God. So as we begin to delve into this, and as we try to understand what truly you mean and what you're telling us. I pray that you would just guide our thoughts, guide our words, guide my words, guide our minds as we delve into this. And I just pray that you would use this to invigorate us and inspire us to live for you. And pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 7 says this. It says, Have nothing to do with godless myths and old wives' tales. Rather, train yourselves to be godly, for physical training is of some value, but godliness has value for all things, holding promise for both the present life and the life to come. Just two verses there, but I found these verses to be very powerful. They start off with this phrase, have nothing to do with godless myths and old wives' tales. And I think that that phrasing that they use there is a little bit misleading because when you hear those words, myths and old wives tales, you kind of generally think, well, of course, I'm not going to pay attention to those. Those you'd be an idiot to pay attention to old wives tales. And so I, I think it's that phrase is not quite the best. What he's really talking about here is there are ways of thinking about the world, philosophies of living that people are very serious about and they feel are very important. And I think the, the closest correlation today might be uh, just general self-help stuff. Uh, I read a, a report here by a group called Market Data Research that in 2006, the market for self-help materials, that includes seminars and, and DVDs and all, all that kind of stuff that goes into that, the market for that was $9 billion dollars. 
that here in the U.S., $9 billion are, sent, are spent on trying to understand what life is about and how you really live that, right? And, and, it's, and it's something that's prevalent all, all around us today, and it was prevalent in, in this time as well, that people were trying to figure out, well, how am I supposed to live? What is life supposed to be about? And looking for it all over. And, and Paul is basically saying in this passage, he's saying to Timothy, he's saying, hey, there's all sorts of kind of philosophies, all sorts of ideas on how you should live. Don't pay attention to those. I'll simplify it for you, uh, Timothy. So Paul's saying, I'll simplify it for you. Here's what you need to do. And the next phrase, Paul tells Timothy what you need to do. He says, train yourself to be godly. That's it. Pretty simple. There's all these other ideas of how to kind of do this. All you need to do is train yourself to be godly. And that was the phrase that really jumped out at me. That was the phrase that I started thinking, man, what would it look like if we actually lived this out? What would it look like if we really did this? Think about a time when you actually trained for something, whether it was, uh, you know, you were a kid and you were learning a sport or an instrument or even in your career, you trained to to pass the exams that you needed for your for your for whatever career you were in. And you worked really hard and you you focused and you're like, man, I'm really going to train so I understand how to do this. And then you continued, right? You continued to keep yourself up to date on that so you could continue to do it. And, And you put a lot of emphasis on it. The word here, train, is a translation of a Greek word called gymnase, where we get the word gymnasium. And then what they meant was not, sometimes we think of the gymnasium, oh, I'll go to the gym and kind of mess around a little bit, or I'll go to the fitness center and run for 10 minutes on the treadmill or something like that. And the way they used it was actually thinking more about Olympic athletes who were very seriously training. So when he talks about training yourself from godliness, he's not talking about, oh, let's just kind of go to the gym every so often and run on a treadmill. He's saying, let's very seriously train in this thing called godliness. And and as, as I read that, I was like, man, what would that look like if we did that? What would happen if we actually took that phrase, train yourself seriously? And so I want to look at it this morning. I want to say, all right, what would happen? But before you do that, uh, he says, train yourself to be godly. What does that mean to be godly? Well, it basically means to live the way God designed us to live. God created humanity. God created all of us. So if we want to know how we're supposed to work, how do we work? How do we how do we live? How, How are we supposed to act? You got to look to God. That's why he's saying don't have to do with others. Just look the Live the way God designed you to live. And what's interesting is often we actually go, I know a little better than God. I want to do some of the stuff that God says, but some of the other stuff God says is just crazy. That's just, that's just only for weirdos and nut jobs that would do that kind of stuff. Like, I, I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to do the stuff that makes sense, but there's this other stuff that God says to live, and I'm not going to do that. And it would be kind of like if we said, hey, you know, I have a car, and it says to put gasoline in the tank. But gasoline costs a lot of money. So I'm going to mix half gasoline and half water. Just kind of to spread out that gas a little bit. I'll put that mixture of gas and water in my tank. And, 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 and well, well, it'll still run. And I'm not a mechanic, but that's not a good idea. Right? I mean, it's, it's not going to run the way it was supposed to run. It, and, and it's the same way with our lives. We do that with our lives. We tell God, hey, I'll, I'll do some of the stuff that you say we should do. But I'll, I'll mix it with some of this other stuff that's not what you want, but it just seems better at the time. 
What would it look like if we actually trained ourselves to live and act the way God designed us to live and act? What would that look like? Paul continues this analogy by saying, hey, physical training is of some value. I actually kind of wish you would have said it's of no value. Physical training, don't do that. Just be a lazy slob. Just sit around. It, it has no value. But he actually says it's of some value that treating our body the way God created it to be treated is actually important as well. But then he gives this analogy that says, hey, that's of some value, but there is something way more value than physical training. And that is training yourself in godliness. And he says godliness has value for the present life and the life to come. Right? It has value for the present life. It's actually about living the way God designed you to live now. But it's also about being a part of what God is doing in this world. Being a part of the kingdom of God that is starting now but will continue for all eternity. Uh, a few years ago, there was a uh, Fairfield University student who came to BlackRock, was a part of Sanctuary, and she had to do an internship for her school. And she said, hey, what, I would like to do my internship by helping out at BlackRock. And I said, all right, we can, we, can work, we can work that out. We'll give you some things. We sat down. We kind of gave her some things that would be included in this internship that she got credit at school, but ultimately did an internship here at the church. And so it started off great. She was doing these things. And then as the semester progressed and as things got busier, she began to kind of not do the things that we had kind of set out that you were going to do as an internship. So I had to have one of those conversations with her where you get together and you're like, all right, remember we said we we're going to do these things and now you're not doing those things. And, uh, you know, at the end of this, I have to fill out a form that says you did this internship so you can pass. So you need to do it. And the good thing was she was a pretty mature person and she took that very well and, you know, understood what was going on. But I ended that conversation with I, I, it was my little pep talk for her. We're going to give you a little pep talk. We're going to really drive this home. And so I, what, what I said to her is I said, hey, I know you have a lot of classes. I know you got a lot of stuff going on in your life. But this internship is the only class that has eternal value. I mean, studying, you know, Viking poetry is great. But this internship is the only class that has eternal value. So if you're looking to, like, skimp somewhere, don't skimp on this. I don't know if that was the best advice. But anyway, you know, for her grades. But, uh, but it was true. This internship, this, this, this working at what God is doing was, has eternal value. And that's what Paul is saying to us. The same thing. He's like, hey, I know your lives are busy. I know you have tons of things going on and you're, you, you kind of got all this craziness going on. But hey, this training yourself in godliness, this has eternal value. So this is something that we need to actually focus on. Now, as I say this, some of you may begin to think, all right, this is going to be one of those talks where the, the preacher guy gets up there and makes me feel guilty because I'm not reading my Bible enough and I'm not praying enough and I'm not doing all this stuff that the church you always tell me to do. And uh, you probably need to do that stuff more, too. But, but that's not actually where I'm going with this. Because I think this idea of training yourself to be godly is bigger than just doing things. It's just bigger than, it's bigger than just doing a few more extra things in your day. I actually think this is a shift in mindset that changes the way we see our everyday life, just everyday activities we go through, and it also changes the way we view church. So I, I want to try to look at how this 
training yourself to be godly would change the way we see our life and we see church. And I want to start with church. And I want to contrast a couple of different ways of looking at church. And I want to contrast a feed me view of church with a feed yourself view of church. Feed me view of church with a feed yourself view of church. If you want to get me riled up, come up to me, whether you're from this church or some other church, and tell me that your church is not feeding you spiritually. I've heard that many times by people from other churches, from this church. And many times people come and say, hey, my, my church isn't feeding me. That gets me pretty riled up. The reason is the church isn't supposed to feed you. The church is actually not supposed to feed you. The church is supposed to equip you to feed yourself. The church's job is to equip you to feed yourself. If you see your life as training yourself in godliness, then you're taking ownership of your own faith, and church's job is to equip you to feed yourself. So if you come and tell me, hey, my church is telling me I'm supposed to live a certain way, but I don't know how to do it. That's on us as a church. Our job is to equip you, to give you tools to grow yourself spiritually. But if you're saying, hey, the church isn't feeding me, that just doesn't make any sense. It would be like if you went into a gym, like actually now like a fitness center. Let's say you belong to a fitness center and you go into that fitness center and you actually go and sit down and say, hey, uh, trainer guy. I'm just going to sit here and you work out for me. I'm going to sit here and watch, and you go work out for me. You go lift the weights, you run on the treadmill or the elliptical. I'll just sit here and watch you, and after about an hour of sitting and watching, I'll walk home and I'll be physically fit. It doesn't work that way. It doesn't work that way. You can't go into a gym and say, hey, someone else, hey, you go do this. What you can say is, hey, trainer, show me some things that I can do. Right? Show me some things that I can do that I'm going to actually continue doing. When you're not here, I'm going, to continue, I'm going to continue training myself in that. Let me ask you another question. When you walk into church, even here on a Sunday morning, when you walk into this facility, do you view this as a leisure activity or a training activity? Do you walk in and sit down like you would at a movie theater or a restaurant? Right? If you go to a restaurant, you go and you sit down and you're like, uh, you know, come fill up my drinks, bring me something to eat. You cook all the food. You go there and that's a leisure activity where they do all the work and you just kind of sit back. Or do you view this as a training institution? How many of you actually like to cook? Go ahead. Raise your hands. How many of you, you like to cook? You like getting that? You like getting that out? Maybe cutting up all the stuff, putting it together, presenting it to people. One of the really interesting things I like, I, I see about most people who like to cook. Most people who like to cook actually enjoy cooking more for other people. Right? You actually want other people to enjoy the food you cook. It's actually even less about cooking for yourself. You love to cook for other people. So what if instead of seeing church as a restaurant... We saw it more like a cooking school. When you, go to into a, when you walk into a cooking school, you don't walk into a cooking school and say, hey, just make me some food. Just help me out. When you go in, you're like, hey, teach me, train me so that I can go out. And so that I can now do this myself. I can now cook this myself. The other thing I like about that analogy is if you get trained in a cooking school, you go out to cook for other people. That's what you get trained to do. And ultimately, the church's job is to equip us. 
to live a life of godliness and serve those outside the church. That's the church's job, to equip us so that we can go live this way and serve those outside the church. So the question is, do you see church as a leisure activity or as a training ground? What's cool is there are a lot of people here at Black Rock that have that mentality of church as a training ground. I see them, right? There's some of you out there right now, you're actually taking some notes. Now, you don't all have to take notes. But the reason people do that is because they come in with a mentality as, I'm going to hear something today, I'm going to experience something today that is going to give me some insight in how to go out and actually train myself to live differently tomorrow. I come in with a mentality of, what can I do, what can I grasp today? What is God going to teach me today that I'm going to go and implement and and continue sort of training the rest of my week? That's why we have things that we call community groups. Pastor Larry gave the announcement about joining them. What a community group is, is a group of people who get together. And literally what it is, is they discuss, how can I actually live out what was talked about on Sunday? How can I do this in my everyday life? They have this mentality that church isn't a place where you just kind of go and sit back and say, man, I hope things go well. I hope they sing songs that I like. And I hope that the pastor says something that's interesting. It's interesting that feed yourself means something different for different people. Some people, it means teach me something new, right? Tell me the Greek word. You guys liked it when I said the word gymnase. You're like, oh, that's cool. He's like, some people, it's that. It's like, teach me something new. Some of it, some people feed me means inspire me. I want to walk out of here like pumped up and ready to go. Other people, it's like connect with me emotionally. If, the, if, if, if I'm not crying, the Holy Spirit isn't moving. I mean, like, it, it means different things for different people when, when we say that. And ultimately, the church's job is to equip you to feed yourself. And if we have that mentality, it changes the way we see our everyday life. We begin to see our everyday life not so much as a a list of things that we're supposed to do, but as a training ground. And a training ground, again, for godliness. I want to touch on again what it looks like to be godly. Because I think sometimes we also have different ideas of what it looks like to be godly. I think the Bible gives a number of definitions of what it looks like to be godly. Here's a couple of good ones that are up there right now. 1 John 2.6 says, This is how we know we are in him. Whoever claims to live in him must walk as Jesus did. Pretty good definition of what it means to actually be godly is you walk like Jesus did. Jesus was, uh, the, the, is the best way to understand what God's like. He's God who came down and lived here. And so one of a great way to understand what it means to be godly is you actually live like Jesus did. You do the things he did. You have the attitude he did. You actually live out the things he said. And there's a big difference between, in the Bible, between the disciples and the thousands of people who came out to watch Jesus. There were thousands and thousands of people who came out to watch Jesus. And not only that, they really wanted Jesus to help him. And some of them were healed. They were brought to Jesus and they were healed and they were all excited. Yay! And thousands of people came out to see Jesus. But a much smaller subset said, hey, I'm not just going to come out and watch this guy. I'm not just going to come out and hope this guy does something that helps me. I'm actually going to live like he lived. I'm actually going to do the things that he did. And that is what we call 
a disciple. A great definition is, hey, someone who actually trains themselves in godliness is training themselves to actually live the way Jesus lived and taught. I think another great definition is in Galatians chapter 5. Galatians 5 says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Common things. A lot of us who've been around church for a while, we know this list. We know this list of the fruit of the Spirit. We know these things. But what, it's, what he's saying here is this is what it looks like to live the way God created us to live. It means you're loving and joyful and peaceful and patient. So if you want to try to examine your own life and say, hey, okay, do I need to train myself in godliness? Here's a little something you can do. Go ask your coworkers if they would describe you as joyful. Ask your spouse or family member or mother or son, hey, would you describe me as self-controlled? Or do I kind of fly off the handle more often than I probably should? Go ask your best friend, hey, would you think people describe me as kind? Would, would that be a word that people describe me as? And if you still have your friendships after those conversations, then you might be on to something about some areas where you might be able to train in godliness. You, you, might have, you, you might have some areas where you can actually do that type of serious gymnase training. Like real, I'm going to put some effort into training myself to actually do this, to actually be this way. And, and sometimes we think, oh, it's, it's, it's too big of a... I can't train myself to do that. I, you know, it's too hard. And for those of you who have kids, I want you to remember when your kids were taking lessons. My son just started playing the viola this year. It's one of those first instruments you play at school, right? You can pick out something to play. And, and he just started playing it. And uh, there came a point, he started, and when he first got it, he was pretty excited, right? We got him this viola, he's like, oh, look at this thing, it's cool, and he's playing with it. And he went to the, he was all excited to go to, the, to, the, to, the, uh, to, to school. He had to go early, right? He had to go early a couple days a week, but he's all excited. He's like, yeah, I want to go, I want to go early, I want to take these lessons, I want to learn how to play that. And how long did that last? A month or two. And then all of a sudden, he got to this point where it was hard. It was hard to learn how to play. Like it was, it wasn't easy anymore. It wasn't, it wasn't all. It was hard to learn how to do this. And and he, what did he want to do? He wanted to give up. I can't do this. I can't. I can't learn to do this. And as a parent on the outside, it was obvious to see. Right? It was obvious to see. You just gotta, you gotta push through this section. I know it's hard right here. I know this, this, you're, you're trying to put your fingers and play the notes and your fingers just don't feel like they go in the right places and push the right things and you, 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 you get your bow and it just doesn't make the right sounds. And what you need to do is some more training. And it's like that in our lives too. We, 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 we have these things and we're like, hey, I, I know I'm supposed to live this way, but man, it's, it's hard. It's hard to train myself to be patience. Hard to train myself to be kind. And so often we kind of give up. 
God's looking down and going, man, if you just, if you just kind of push through that, I know it's hard right now. I know you, you've got this thing going on in your life and it's making it really hard. But man, if, if, you, if you just push through that, pretty soon you'll be able to play. Pretty soon you'll be, start to be kind. And my, my son, he, he pushed through that stage, right? And he got to the next stage where he could actually, he could actually play a song. You got that first stage where you could play a song, and all of a sudden it was exciting again. It was exciting again, because I can actually play a song. And then he got to another hard part. Now it's like, okay, I'm using all four of these strings, not just the two. I could play a song with two strings, but now I got four of them. How do I do that? And it's like that in our lives, where we go through these stages, and, and what, what he's saying here is, hey, we can train ourselves in godliness. We can train ourselves in godliness. But the next question in my head was, all right, how do I do that? How do I train myself for godliness? Like, okay, I'm in now. I'm in, God. I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready to train myself for godliness. I'm ready to put some effort into it. I'm ready to... But how in the world do I do that? And a lot of times what we think of is something, I, what I mentioned earlier, these things called spiritual disciplines, where we, where we do things like we're reading the Bible and we're praying and, and we're studying and we're serving. We're, we're, we're doing some of these disciplines, which are extremely good things. Extremely good. We, we should do those more, but I actually don't want to focus on that this morning. And the reason for that is I would guess that for many of us here, if you were to tell the person next to you, yeah, I spend an hour a day doing these disciplines, for most of us here, we'd think you're pretty spiritual. There are some of you that do it more than that. Do it, you, you have the ability to do it more. You're like super trainer. But probably if you said to someone, hey, I, I spend an hour a day, seven days a week doing these spiritual disciplines, most of us would be like, that's pretty good. Kind of like if you said, hey, I spend an hour every single day, seven days a week going to the gym. Most of us would say, wow, you're pretty fit. And that's pretty, that could be a good thing. But what I realized with that is there's still 23 hours left in the day. And even if we do that, even if we, even if we train ourselves using those things, which we should do, I think we're going to miss what Paul has for us if we don't realize that this is about more than doing things. It's about a way of seeing our everyday life. A way of seeing those other 23 hours that those are also a training ground. And this does shift the way we see our life. We begin to see our life less as sort of this list of things to do and these annoying uh, people or tasks or stuff that we have to get through. We actually see our life as a training ground. And when we do that, it shifts the way we see things like our coworkers or our spouse or our mother-in-law. Or these, these things that we sometimes think, because the truth is, the more difficult things you have in your life, probably the better for training. In training, what you do is you put yourself in a difficult situation so that you, you, you know that you will perform in that situation. And that's why elsewhere in like the book of James, it says to actually uh, to actually be thankful when you have trials. Right. When you read that phrase in the Bible, you're like, how can how can he say to be thankful when I have trials? That's 
That's horrible. That, <laughs> I hate having trials. I actually want a life that's simple and easy and uh, that I understand everything going on. And, and, and the Bible actually says, be thankful when you're going through trials. And the reason is because if you have this mindset and you see life as a training ground where I am training myself, then you begin to look at your life differently. Now, I want to end by actually going, okay, all right, how would I actually do that? How would I actually see my everyday life as a training ground? And I want to give you a suggestion. The first thing I would say is you do pray. The first thing I would say for how do you train this, I would say pray. Pray and ask God, God, hey, where can I train? Because the truth is, uh, you can't do it all at once. And when I see that whole list of fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, I get a little overwhelmed. I'm like, I can't do this all. And so I think we need to pray and say, hey, God, where do you want me to focus? Yesterday, I was at the batting cages with my, with my son, uh, with both my sons. They're playing baseball. It's early in the baseball season. And the Fays are not good hitters. We're, we're tall and lanky and don't hit a baseball well. And so my sons, they like playing baseball. And I never played baseball growing up. I couldn't hit the ball. And so I, we went to this place. And I actually had a friend who was there who was giving some pointers on how to hit. I got no idea how to hit. And I just know my kids can't do it. I couldn't do it. So we go to the batting cages, and uh, this guy is really good at working with kids. And he goes, hey, I, I, I don't give the kids too much. If you try to tell them everything they're doing wrong and everything how to do it right, they just, it just, it's, you can't do that. And so what we wanted to do is my kids kind of swing with their arms rather than kind of getting the nice hips to rotate and getting a nice hit on the ball. And he goes, so he told my son, my 10-year-old son, he goes, I want you to go into the batting cage for the next like half an hour and so and only concentrate on your hips. Get your hips to be turning the way your hips are supposed to be. Forget everything else. Forget how your arms are supposed to be. Forget how your feet were supposed to be. Just concentrate on your hips. And if you do that for a while, then we'll be able to move on to something else. And I think in training and godliness, it can be that way too. That, that we really need to focus and say, all right, God, I'm, I'm gonna, I, I can't do everything right now, but I can work on one area of my life. And so we pray to God and say, hey, God, man, what, what can I do? What can I do? And, and I'm, I'm pretty sure with God, and maybe you ask your friends as well, they'll tell you. They'll tell you an area. Let's say it's patience. Right? Let's say, man, I, I just need some, some, I need, I need some to help with patience. So how do I do that? Well, I'm going to look up every verse in the Bible on patience. Just kind of look them up, read them through, begin to sort of fill my mind with what does it really look like to be patient. And then I'll probably narrow it down. Narrow down to one verse. I found this one in Psalm 37, 7 that says, Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. I'm going to meditate on those verses. And for those of you who think meditate is some bizarre term, if you can worry, you can meditate. <laughs> if you can worry, because what worry is, is going over the same concept over and over in your mind. Something that bothers you, something that's, that's really, worrying is the same thing as meditating. And instead of that, maybe think about something that's more positive, that's more leading toward godliness. Right. So when these things are going on in your life at work or at home, you're going to stop and you're going to be like, oh, be still. Wait patiently for the Lord. Then you got to keep praying. Keep praying. God, I, I need patience. I'm getting impatient with my training on patience. Right. I, I need some help here. And then you can train in everyday life. Right. All of a sudden now your annoying coworkers or family members or neighbors are not opportunities for training shifts the way you see your life, shifts the way you see those people in your life that you used to see as hindrances and annoyances now are training ground for godliness. 
couple other things, and each of these fruit of the Spirit have things like this. If you really want to see if you need some training and patience and to train tomorrow, just agree to drive the speed limit. Get over in the right lane on the merit and just say, I'm just going to go, right? I'm just going to slow down and go. Or maybe you can go to the store and intentionally pick the longest line to go in. Intentionally pick that one. Go stand there and see what starts to happen inside of you and say, all right, God, you're going to train me in some patience. Maybe after this, you're going to eat some breakfast or some lunch. Chew every bite 15 times. There are things that we can do, and these are very simple examples, but there are things that we can do that can train ourselves in godliness. And then I want you to imagine what would it look like as we as a people, Blackrock Congregational Church, if we began to do this. In the book of 1 Peter, there's this example given of what the Christian community, what the church should really look like. And it says in 1 Peter 3.15, it says, be prepared to give an answer for the hope that you have. The vision that the Bible has for the Christian community is it's going to look different. It's going to look different than, than, the, than the community is outside. People who are disciples, who are followers of Jesus, are going to look different. They're going to have more joy and more peace and more patience. They're going to have more kindness than those outside. And then people from outside are going to go like, why are you like that? Why are you like, why do you have joy when I'm stressed out? Why why are you like that? The vision the Bible has of the Christian community is that we are training ourselves in godliness. And because of that, we look different and people notice. And we have an opportunity to make an eternal difference in the world. Let me pray. God, I thank you for who you are. I thank you that you, you designed each and every one of us. You created us. You, you want the best for our lives. You want us to live fully for you. I pray that you would help us to leave this place understanding a little more about who you are, a little more about your vision for our lives. I pray that you would inspire us, inspire us to see our lives as a training ground for holiness where we understand that life is far more meaningful than just the everyday occurrences, that we get to participate in what you're doing from now until eternity. God, we thank you for the privilege we have to serve you and pray that you will give us the strength to do it this week. In Jesus' name, amen.